Welcome to The Bridge. Fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Bridge. We are a show that connects East and West. My name is Jason, and I'm originally from the United States, and I am living here in beautiful Wuhan, China. Today with me is Bebe. Yes. Hi. Hi, Jason. This is Bebe from Beijing. Yay. <laughs> Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. We have a special guest with us today who's been on the show before, Morris Sway, who is an international businessman from Hong Kong, residing in Beijing, who has lived in England and traveled around the globe. And he's here to help us evaluate how our world is changing at a fast pace. And today we're going to be talking about traditional culture and changing values. Hello, Morris. Hello, everybody. Hello, Jason. Hello, Bebe. Glad to be <laughs> on the show again. <laughs> hey, Morris. I know it was fun the last time we chatted. Yeah. Hey, let us, let us pretend that the three of us are gathering in a restaurant. Okay. And so it's going to be like, you know, this cultural setting with two... Um, yeah, well, <laughs> not, <laughs> already. <laughs> so I'm going to, like, we're, we're each going to order our own dish. And I'm thinking about something in particular. This, like, um, fish dish that I haven't had for, like, quite a few years. And it's really good. I don't know if, Jason, you've heard of it. So while I'm talking, you guys can think about, you know, what you want to order, okay? We're in this restaurant, nice restaurant. We can order whatever we want. Okay. Um, I'm going to get this uh, song zi gui yu or song shu gui yu. Oh. I'm not too sure which one is. Uh, you know what I'm talking about, right, Morris? Absolutely. I, I love it as well. It's like, ooh, I know. It's this, um, Jason, you can see if you've, ha- if you've ever had this. So it's basically um, like fried, a whole fish, yeah. neatly cut, and then deep fried. Yeah. So when the fish is fried, the meat, the cut meat, pops up mm. so they're like french fries <laughs> you know stuck on a fish yeah and then there's this uh tomato sweet tomato sauce they pour that all over the fish so when you taste it you know first when you taste it it's like sour and sweet mm-hmm. right tomato sauce i'm like my mouth is like watering <laughs> anyhow and then there's this like crunchy layer you know where this fried and then inside all that is the soft um inside of the fish and I haven't had that dish for a few years now. I really miss it. So that's my wow, dish. Wow, I, I love that dish as well. I love that dish. <laughs> Good, we can share. <laughs> you you want to pick a dish? <laughs> uh, my turn? Yeah, my turn. Okay, <laughs> it's a little bit difficult because uh, uh, this time of the year, one of my favorite dishes is actually something that uh, my grandma used to make. Ah. So, so my grandma used to buy uh, beef from the market and then mm-hmm. she has this secret recipe and she basically stew it mm-hmm. yeah but then uh, after you stewed it you you take it out and let it cool mm. and you cut it into into slices a little bit like uh, what we call in, in Beijing yeah okay yeah she does it in a in a very particular way she actually pokes hole in it with a chopstick and then stuff it full of garlic Ooh. and Oh. Yeah, so when it's all stewed, that all disappears into the beef and it, it's very, very tasty. Sounds good. Cold. 
So Morris has a sliced yeah. beef dish. What about you, Jason? <laughs> well, I, I don't know as nearly as much about Chinese cuisine as you guys. So uh, I'm going to can I just have my wife's chowza? Sure. <laughs> well, we, so we have all this food in front of us. Now we can chat. So what are we uh, chatting about today? <laughs> While eating and chatting. <laughs> I was hoping we could talk about traditional culture and changing values around the world. The differences between like, you know, China, Europe, United States, everywhere, like how values are changing really fast with this. You know, technology is obviously taking off and mm. changing the world. And so the way that people interact with each other and that technology is obviously changing the way that people are around the world. Mm. Wow, that's yep, a yep. deep question. Uh, I have a <laughs> I have a question for you, Jason. Sure. For you know, I'm asking for me and for our Chinese audience out there. So what do you like if you want to talk about American traditional culture, <laughs> what are some of the things you would, you know, talk about? What are some a quintessential like American Wow, that's, that's a really interesting question. So like, I'm actually, you know, I actually think of the South today as a, like a guideline to some extent. So being really courteous, oftentimes opening the door for people is just like just day to day kind of stuff, which is increasingly like if you go to really big cities in mm -hmm. the United States, like people are just rushing as fast as they can. And so a lot of these courtesies, uh, let, let's take this. Let me give you a good example. The elevator. Now, obviously, the elevator, you know, you. A lot of people are going to say, oh, that's not mm -hmm. that that's a new piece of technology. But like, let's say you go back 100 years, someone's probably holding the mm -hmm. elevator for you. Oh, let's all get on the elevator. But now it's like you push the mm -hmm. button and you almost a lot of people are going to be like hoping it closes before too many people slow you down so that you can get to your floor. <laughs> so like it, it looks like a lot of people are like mm -hmm. really, you know, I think technology to some extent is making people like work harder and faster, even though it's supposed to help us mm -hmm. so that we don't have to work as hard. Maybe mm -hmm. it's actually making us work even harder than before. That's true. Intriguing, huh? Actually, actually, mm -hmm. if you don't mind, mm -hmm. I, I, you just reminded me of a question that I've always wanted to ask uh, an American. Mm -hmm. In movies and so on, you often see uh, the son addressing the dad as sir, right? Mm -hmm. So first of all, in China, we don't really have a direct equivalent to sir. So that would be uh, uh, like xiansheng, and it, it, it would be it would be mm -hmm. very, very strange to call your dad Xianzheng. And even... I've Mr. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've, I've, I've spent a lot of time in the UK and uh, I really never met anyone. I, I'm not saying that they don't, nobody does it in the UK, but I've, I've really not come across anybody myself personally. Is that still a done thing in the US? You know, US? I think it is to some, it's really interesting. If you're from a military family more increasingly, so, so my great grandfather, he fought in the Pacific in the Navy against the Japanese and my father had to call him sir. Mm. And so in my family, when I tried to call my father, sir, almost like jokingly, because I'd seen it in movies and stuff. He was like, don't call me that. My, my dad, my dad was sir. My name is dad. <laughs> I was like, okay, okay, dad. Sure. <laughs> no problem. Oh, yeah. so it doesn't pass from generation to generation. And I think, yeah, it's more like if you're in a military family, dad becomes sir some of the time. But if you're like, an, you know, from 
a family that's not connected to the military. Mostly it's just mom and dad. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, I, I don't want to make it difficult for you, but what happens if you, as the son, achieve a higher rank than your dad? <laughs> <laughs> he was a colonel and you become a, a wow. three-star general. Do you still call as him sir? Who's, well, I, you know, as someone who's not from the military, I have no idea. But I, I, it could be fun. It might be a fun game between a father and a son or, you know, a daughter, you know? I think it would be like a... Military. psychological battle you know you see the currents always moving underneath the water <laughs> i don't think that's a very I, I don't know how people actually deal with it <laughs> if the son actually has a higher position in the military i don't know it's not gonna be easy yeah yeah but you know when i think about <laughs> yeah traditional chinese culture i think the one thing that would jump out of my mind is probably the term and i've mentioned this term a lot in our shows um, it means you respect the old and you love the young. Like that's the literal translation of these four characters. Mm -hmm. um, so, I, you know, that's one thing that pops out of my mind. And then, of course, there are all these holidays, right? And the sense of uh, unity on different levels. You know how families are together, right? You, mm -hmm. you are careful to build the nets of your lifetime, you know, your family net your mm -hmm. the the social network at work and also like society the bigger net of the society in general and i don't know if you guys feel the same mm -hmm. way but i feel like in china in the like these few years you see you sense a resurgence that people feel like increasing importance of the resurgence of the chinese culture because for the past four decades it was all about mm -hmm. Uh, you know, developing the economy, and we had to learn a lot from the West. It was like emulating the West. But we are up to a point where we feel like, you know what, there is a lot of treasure mm. from our own past that we, we, are, we have not been paying attention mm. to. And so I, I sense this um, resurgence in the importance of mm -hmm. our Chinese culture. I don't know if you guys feel it too. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I think the uh, one of the, the the major points here is that uh, I think the government feels it too, right? Mm. That's why in the last few years, you have new laws in China that uh, if if a child abandon his uh, his parents, just leave them and, and not look after them, the parents could actually take the child to court and sue them. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah. You mean an adult that's moved out, like a 30-year-old yeah, adult? Yeah, if, if I, I, I'm pretty sure, I, because it was in the news. I, I don't know about the details of those laws, but in the old days, you wouldn't need a law like that, right? Because uh, very mm. few people would consider... Yeah, abandoning their parents, and and you would be, and it's a, yeah, you you would be a social outcast, really, if you did that to your parents. Right, exactly. Yeah, you was you like your villagers will shame you to death. That's right. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> like the government doesn't need to do anything. But now um, the society is different, right? Uh, a lot of people are not in villages anymore. Yeah, and also I think I'm starting to think about the significance of culture. Um, not just in China, but also, you know, in the U.S. Like, what is, because culture is a thing that you can't really see or taste, right? You can't hold it in your hand and gouge its value. But it's something for the, at least for the Chinese society, it's something that holds us all together. And that is um, super, super significant, right?
I think you're right. But I think there's also another side to this because, you know, for, for from Americans' perspective, you know, divorce used to be something that was really frowned upon in Europe and in, in the United States and like all kind of Western countries. But then increasingly, about 110, 120 years ago, divorce became an acceptable way to end a marriage. Oftentimes it was on the grounds of uh, fornication, but also it happened because a lot of there were a lot of domestic abuse cases. Mm. And, and this is like Harold is a great move that some women who were being severely abused by their husbands. Husbands, mm. were finally able to get out of these terrible relationships. So that was the positive side. Mm-hmm. The negative side is that divorce has become rampant everywhere mm-hmm. to where like, what do, what are people signing up for? Do they really, it seems like a lot of people don't understand what marriage is supposed to be mm-hmm. and that there shouldn't be like, oh, he took my shampoo and used it the wrong way. And now I, we're incompatible. But, you know, if we're you not look meant at, to I'm, as, an, as an American looking at China, I appreciate what you're talking about with like trying to appreciate traditional Chinese cultural values. Mm-hmm. But things like divorce are statistically also on the rise over oh, here. Oh, yeah. I think that goes. With, yeah. 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 Um, the increasing sense of individualism, it, it's complicated. Yeah, what I'm going to say, it's going to be slightly controversial. And it doesn't mean that I believe it, right? But I, mm-hmm. I think in the old days, yeah, if boy meets girl and you have to you have to pass the test of the parents before mm. you, you mm. are allowed to mm. get married. I'm, I'm not talking about arranged marriages, right? But mm. uh, I think nowadays, the younger generation, they made... Yeah, they obviously will take the uh, the, the prospective uh, spouse to meet the parents before they get married. Uh, but I don't think they pay so much attention to the parents' uh, opinion anymore, mm. uh, as in the old days. Um, but uh, back to Jason's point, where there's a, a I, I I believe I don't I don't have the figures, but I I believe divorce is more still more prevalent in in the West than in China, mm. and part of that actually has to do with our family structure because yeah if you if you divorce someone in in, in our culture you're not it's, it's not just a matter between you and your spouse it's mm. basically two families divorcing right mm. yeah because yeah once you are married to someone you you become basically one family yeah and and the parents will get to know each other they 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 will socialize and, and it's complicated and everything yeah. But that's a little bit different than America, where in-laws might be just forced to get together once a year or something. But generally, they'd be to like, get together. yeah, that's exactly. Those aren't my people. Those are his. That's my daughter's <laughs> husband's people. Yeah. No, I, I'm just thinking this is a hard topic because, I mean, marriage is def- it's hard, right? It's hard to maintain a good marriage in any culture. Mm, 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 um, mm, and mm. also... Especially nowadays, people are like even in China, the younger generation are so aware of their own importance, right? like whether or not I'm happy that mm. sometimes you don't see the value of a longer commitment. Um, but each case is different. I think marriage is hard to it's hard to talk about. Um, people get married and get divorced for so many different reasons. Mm. Sometimes it's hard to generalize. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's. I, I think the the percentage of divorce probably like generally it's it's on the rise. I mean, I've seen videos of um uh, the scenes at the marriage registry. Like that's where you go to get married, and also mm-hmm, that's where mm-hmm. you go to get a divorce. It's like your red uh certificates becomes green. I think <laughs> like the colors are different, wow. and sometimes the line for marriage is so short. 
but the line for divorce is so long. You know, that, maybe just on that particular day. And so that people posted to kind of make fun of yeah. the situation. And they're like, this is how we're going to increase the birth rate. <laughs> so, does it though? Does it, does it really one. increase the birth rate? <laughs> well, you have to, in this culture, at least you have to get married. First, yeah, right? yeah. In order to have kids and the marriage has to be sustainable to have more than one kid. Yeah, well, that's exactly what I mean. Well, you guys were talking about the respect within the family and saying, sir, I don't necessarily think that sir is the way that people show respect in America, because a lot of families, you know, traditionally too, mm. have, you know, really valued the, the, the insights of their parents and respected their other ideas about how they should live their life mm. and like, you know, what, whether they should buy a home or kind of investments and maybe even the kind of people they should date and stuff like that. Or like, you know, what kind of things that they should study in school. Mm. And, you know, like Bebe mentioned, it's hard to generalize, you know, especially we're talking about a population of 320 million. Mm. You know, it's hard to say, oh, people are like this in America because they're not, especially in America where it's a lot of immigrants from right. all kinds of different countries and first, second, third generation and stuff. But like, you know, the overall culture seems to be for people who have been living in America for more than one or two generations, that kids are increasingly, like you said, individualistic. They're not listening to their parents. They're they're saying, no, I don't want to do it that mm. way. And I want to do it this other way, which is, you know, sometimes maybe useful because they're shaking off habits that were not necessarily good. Mm. But also it can be very detrimental because they're not learning like the life lessons that their parents could share with right. them. And so you have like a win-lose situation where like, yes, maybe there are new values that are also helpful, mm. but a lot of people are not learning important life lessons that they could learn from an older generation of people who've already been through a lot of the stuff that they're going to go through. Wow, yep. Jason, yep. you know, it's like I've I've never heard that from an American. <laughs> it's, it's usually like someone from China who would tell me, like my mom would tell me, you know, it's, it's, um, there, there is a saying in Chinese, um, yeah. it, the literal translation is if you don't listen to your elders, um, you are going to pay for it like now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think, I think Jason was, was absolutely mm. right because they, they've gone through stuff which shaped their, their views and their lives. And then it was probably passed on from previous generation as well. Mm. So one, mm. one example that's pretty obvious in my, in my daily life is that, uh, you know, when I was growing up, food wasn't exactly in short supply. Right. Obviously, it wasn't as plentiful as as, as now, but uh, I still remember growing up uh, every day, every time we have a meal. Yeah, my parents and my 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 grandmother would make absolutely sure that I have every last grain of rice uh, eaten up. Right, not <laughs> no single grain of rice stuck on on the bowl or the plate. Yeah, and mm. and because of that, it it's kind of it, it's the done thing for me. Right. And they used to say things like, uh, "Remember how, mm. you know, uh, just just remember how how difficult uh, it is for the, the the peasants to to grow the rice, right? How much work it takes." Yeah, mm. yeah. But I observed yeah. that in in the modern world, like um, my own boy, right, uh, who's eleven, they don't have that, and uh, it's, it's evidently everything is in mm. plentiful supply, and and they don't feel that, right? And uh, whereas my parents could at least 
tell me stories of hardship mm. uh, when they were very young, you know. Uh, I, I've never experienced that type of hardship myself, but mm. it's become a sort of value. And if he doesn't listen to me by the time he has his own kids, that, that would be gone. Mm. Right? You know, that's something I struggle with, Morris. Yeah. Um, not just for food, but for fruit too, because, you know, eating is supposed to be a wonderful thing, right? You get food, tasty nutrient. But for my daughter, it's like you have to force her to eat. <laughs> there's just there's so much food everywhere. Um, and also, um, there's no I don't think there's any concept in her mind of how precious food actually is. Right. Because she's never had not had and also not just food, but like other supplies like paper. No, I value paper like it. it well, for one reason, of course, it's uh, tied to the environment. Right. Yeah. And also there's a long process of ma making paper that will generate bad things for the environment. Hmm. And it, it has nothing to do with how expensive it is because they're cheap. Like food is not expensive and paper and other products, recyclable products, they're not expensive. Yep. So I, you know, I treasure them for the value they create and for the damage they do um, to the environment. But like it, it's it's like impossible for my daughter to understand. And it's very, very frustrating. Like, I can't pretend to be that poor. You know, it's hard to pretend you're poor when you are not. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so it's hard to educate your child, like how your parents educated you back then. Yeah. And it's something that I struggle with. And also, you know, it's a very, there's a very obvious comparison. Back in the States, I noticed how often in crafts, like when you're making things, when little kids make things, you would use like pasta, right? Or cereal. Like you will use food items, noodles mm, mm, to mm. make art projects. And that is something you don't you don't see yeah. very much here in China. Um, it's not just because uh, like food is is not expensive. You could definitely afford to use them. But I think in this culture still and probably also in Japanese or Korean culture, food has a special significance. You know, it's not on an equal par with other uh, commodities. Even though their prices might be the same, but food is food. Like there is a special significance to food. So at least I'm I'm happy that so far that hasn't got into um, mainstream like Chinese conduct, like how you can just use food right. as if it's just any other commodity. Well, I'm just thinking about my I'm I'm Morris. I'm sorry. I'm just reflecting on myself because I teach at an international kindergarten and I've done that. And I'm wondering, did I offend moms when that came home because we made a dinosaur out of like noodles? <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I don't know. I don't think you would offend them. It's just um in China, we would there's a poem that we grow up with. Yep. You know, yeah. the poem tells about um describes how hard a farmer has to work to grow even one grain of rice so every grain of rice every you know um bit of food comes from hard labor and so we grow up that when whenever we eat or waste food we think of uh, we think of that and that's something we want to pass on to future generations I'm, I'm reminded of so many things so i you know in my family my parents tried that when i was really young they were like talking about oh well people in africa are starving you need to eat your food mm. there's a famous comedian who got on stage in america 
And he's like, yeah, so you could package it up and send them to him. That was a joke that he said on stage. (laughs) It's not that easy. (laughs) Yeah, it's also meant to be a joke. Also, like, you know, in in America at that time, they were increasingly automating farming. And that's happening in China, too, (laughs) where farming is increasingly automated. Mm -hmm. So, like, there's these huge machines. They have have, have a tractor competition in China, an annual track where they bring all the best tractors together Mm. and they farm all these huge fields of wheat together to see which tractor like farmer can like farm the fastest in these tractors and it seems like i mean i understand your desire to pass that value forward but it also seems like increasingly like you know Mm. it's not some like person in you know a straw hat who humped hunched over like in a rice field like now they're like (laughs) robots and machines and all this technology helping yeah it's it's not really our concern it is our concern it is our concern because if just imagine if if nobody wastes any food right if you extend that to buying a bit less and so on yeah The, the truth is i read in a lot of places that the way that the human population is consuming resources, right? Food, energy, whatever. Mm-hmm. The earth can't actually sustain the, the current population, right? So, mm. yeah, the, it's only because there's some less developed country where people don't consume at the same level. So I, I, I actually agree with, with Bebe that, first of all, it is true that in our culture, food has a special significance. And secondly, wasting yeah. Whatever, yeah? Leaving a light on when you're no longer in right, the right. room or, you know, throwing away stuff that could still be useful. I, I've increasingly, in my in my old age, I'm considering that to be a, a moral mm. issue. Hey, it's Morris. It's no longer about... High five. High five, Morris. <laughs> <laughs> High five, Seriously, yeah. that's exactly what I want yeah. to say. Like, wasting of anything. Yeah. It's just not necessary. And yeah. it's... it's But, I, you know, in, right. in, in certain societies it's so much about the market right if it makes money then it's good but in my mind at least and i think in a mind of a lot of um uh more traditional chinese people like we don't need that discussion you know there are certain values that you just don't it's not a matter of math it's a matter of a moral issue and math doesn't come into it yep. like why would you waste food Yep. Even if everybody is well-fed in the world, you still don't need to waste anything, right? The word waste, it's not really a positive word. Yep. So I think that's what... Oh, not, not in any culture, right? Any waste culture. is never a good exactly. thing. Exactly. So by waste, it's like you're, you're not, you don't need to throw that away or you don't need to waste it. Yeah. So I think that's something, and you said it exactly, Morris, that's something I really want to share with our listeners. Um, and I think, have you guys been to Japan? Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah, yep, a couple times. Yeah, like, I mean, in Japan, um, I mean, it's a developed country, right? On par with all the Western developed countries. Mm-hmm. But you probably have noticed how they treasure food, right? I mean, food is pretty expensive there in Japan. But even for these, like, really, really skinny ladies, I'm, I'm sure they watch out their weight and everything. But they finish everything in their bowl. And it's something that's, you know, in their blood, like grained into their mind when ever since they were little, yep. you know, just like when we were little. And I think that's something that all the de- developed countries can should learn from. Just yeah, you know, yeah. take what you need and don't waste it. Right.
I, I, I can actually speak a little bit about that because I actually worked in Japan for like、mm. seven, eight months. Yeah, spent like、mm-hmm. five days a week in Japan. And this is exactly、mm. what you,、uh, what you describe. I, I observed firsthand because,、uh, mm. uh, you know, you've had、uh, soba, soba noodle, right? Yeah, Outside yeah. of Japan, right? You tend to think of that、mm-hmm. bowl of、uh, soya sauce that, that pro- they provide you as being. You know, once you finish a sorba, that just gets thrown away.、Mm. Well, I, I visited a proper sorba shop in, in, in Japan, run by a family. And、mm. uh, they actually, after they've served you the sorba, bring that bowl of soy sauce, they actually leave a pot of the water that they cook the sorba in,、mm. in front of you. And I was wondering what you'd do with that. And then I saw other people eating. Japanese people, after they finish their sorba, they actually pour that water into the, the soy sauce and drink it.、Oh. So, absolutely nothing goes to waste. Wait, isn't that yeah, like. Yeah, sounds like a recipe for high blood pressure. <laughs> Wait, soba is okay. Well, yeah. it's just soy sauce. Soy sauce is full of salt. Yeah, but it's not. First of all, you've diluted it a lot. And secondly, Japanese soy sauce is, is not as salty、yeah. as、uh, Chinese soy sauce.、Uh-huh. Well, at least the soba variety. Morris, do you know the phrase yuan tang xiao yuan shi in Chinese? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.、And、maybe it's、yeah. a similar thing. So, Jason,、mm. this phrase means that,、um, like, say you've been eating dumplings,、mm-hmm. right? And so you cook it in a pot of、mm-hmm. water. And after you finish eating the tum- dumplings, like your grandma would tell you, yuan tang xiao yuan shi. So, drink a little bit of the soup、uh, of the water that the dumplings、mm. were boiled in. And it'll help you digest、mm. the dumplings.、Yep. And same with noodles.、Yep. So, I wonder if it's the same thing.、Yeah. And it's just maybe it's just comfortable. For you to have some hot water a little bit, right? To, I don't know, get the digesting process going. <laughs> you know, I've noticed that、yeah. about a lot of Asian food, they have, have like really thin soups that have like almost no content in them. And actually, it's only starting to make sense in the, in the context of what you just said, baby.、Oh. Because, like, you know, an American soup is like super thick and full、oh、of、gosh. stuff. And、exactly. like, it's like, okay, you know, yeah, it's really hard. That's like, the word, they use the word hearty. Yeah. That's like yeah, the first time、yeah. I had those. It was like, that's not soup. <laughs> that's like solid. <laughs> in Chinese, we have two different words, right? There's tang, which is the more runny stuff,、mm. right? And then there's gung, which is. Broth. W- yeah, which is.、Uh, uh, th- there's a lot more stuff in it, right? Yeah. I, I just want to make a point that、uh, what, what Bebe brought up. Uh, about the Japanese culture,、mm-hmm. I believe, my personal belief is that it's, it's actually related to, to what I describe about my parents' attitude on、mm. food.、Mm-hmm. That Japan, if you look at Japan, right, before the, the Meiji Restoration, apart from the, the absolute top people in the society, the ruling class, Japan was a pretty poor country. And、mm. I think that culture of not wasting、mm. food has a lot to do with that. Because you also see that I had some Italian friends when、mm. I was、uh, in, in university in the, in the UK, ethnic Italians. I was surprised to find out that the、mm. Italians were exactly like that. Right. So, in fact, yeah,、oh, if you think、yeah. about, if I ask you to name me, you know, two or three famous Italian dishes, right? What would you say? Spaghetti.、Yeah. Apart from spaghetti. Pizza. Lasagna.、Yeah. Calzone. Calzone. Apart from lasagna, name me a famous Italian soup. Mi- minestrone. The one with the tomatoes. Yeah, min- minestrone. Like、right? celery. Oh, minestrone. Okay, okay, That's okay. right. Yeah. Do you know how, how lasagna is made? Lasagna is made. With leftover pasta sauce,、oh. right? So, if you had pasta the previous night and you don't finish it, the next day、mm-hmm. your grandma would t- 
turn it into lasagna. And you know how a minestrone soup is made? It's no. literally made Left from... Leftover vegetables? Not, no, not just vegetable, but they even put the, the pasta into the soup. This is why in in, oh, yeah, right. in authentic uh, minestrone, you, you sometimes find, you know, strands of, of spaghetti or whatever in the soup mm-hmm. because they just throw mm. everything in that's left over from the mm. previous night. And I really... Yeah, I, I love Italian food anyway, but that adds another aspect to the Italian food culture that I like. And, and yeah. it's the same with the Japanese culture. Well, someone told me that about Chinese chow mein, like mm. that it was that chow mein is like the rice from yesterday that was like left over. <laughs> is that true? Probably. And fried rice. Fried rice is definitely made from leftover rice. Uh, uh. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Chao <laughs> fan. Uh, in fact, in fact, you have to make fried rice. Yeah, you have to make fried rice out of leftover rice. If you freshly cook some rice, it would turn out into be sticky, sticky and yeah. not very hmm. good fried rice. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, you have to use leftover rice for a proper fried right. rice. So I think yeah. in certain cultures, um, that of Chinese culture and Japanese culture, and maybe many others. Um, the 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 sense of market is not as dominant. There are things that are override the market, which I think is very good because I think I mean market is important, right? Free market is important. Whatever um, generates profits and keep the uh, society going. Um, but there are there should be things that are that override that. Their significance um, is above the market. You know, moral issues or things that are good for the entire human race. Hmm. Uh, at least that's my personal opinion. I absolutely yeah. agree. Well, that's deep, huh? <laughs> no, but it, it, it's an important and an interesting topic. So yeah. you, what, you're, you, what yeah. you guys, it sounds like, are saying is it's very important that we continue to carry on a lot of the traditions into the present and the future. Don't you agree, Jason? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I mean, in that context, I mean, just I'm just saying, you know, like not saying I'm thinking about it from an American perspective, like food is ubiquitous with life. There's, you know, there's a there is a lot of waste. There's a new younger generation of people who are increasingly trying to mm. conserve everything. And yeah, electricity is really something that is conserved in the United States. You don't leave a room and leave the light on. People don't do that. Really? So like in terms of food, this is really yeah oh yeah it's a huge you were taught that as a children every year by our teachers mm-hmm. like it's it is a big part of american culture to That's conserve good. electricity mm-hmm. and then environmentalism and trying to be like less uh you know people use a lot of electricity because they use an increasingly large amount of electrical devices mm-hmm. it's also a lot of you know like uh, businesses using a lot of electricity as well yeah but like in terms of food that is something that Americans probably could learn a little bit more about because Americans are very wasteful when it comes to food and plastic goods too. Mm. Like I think plastics, you know, food is biodegradable and it, you know, that's not to say that it's not bad for the environment. It is, mm-hmm. but like plastics is probably the bigger problem yeah. in, in America because plastic, everyone's like, okay, I have a new toy. My kid wants a new toy. Here's your new toy. And then like, they don't mm. play with that toy a month later. It's time yep. to get them another new toy. And there's like just constantly wasting plastic goods. And it seems like that's probably one of the biggest things. I mean, you know, you may you, I think you do know this. That America for a long time was exporting its plastics mm. to China. To And then a lot of those were not high quality. Mm-hmm. They were just going into landfills in China and, and other places. Now they're exporting them to other countries. Wow. There's an enormous amount of waste. Mm-hmm.
As long as we're talking about traditional values and culture, I'd like to kind of switch sure. gears a little bit. I was hoping we could talk a little bit about like uh, parenting. Parenting. So like we have like parenting. 10, yeah, the... 15 minutes and we want to talk about parenting. That takes like forever. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we could have another show about environmentalism. But uh, sure. to see the thing, you know, we did talk a little bit about parenting. The way that parenting has happened in the United States from where I am from has changed a lot. Mm. Well, when my dad was a kid, he talks about going, obviously, the, the cliche, walking uphill both ways in the snow to work but or to school but the reality was his fa his father mm. and, and mother were very heavy discipliners they were like very oh, like oh, you need to do this now mm. now you need to do that mm -hmm. if you don't do this you don't talk to your mother this way you're allowed only allowed to talk to her that way right. when i was a kid it was more like okay uh, they would only get upset when you'd gone too far. Like, but you could just run around and do whatever you want. Right. And like, increasingly, like kids now would just do whatever they want. And parents are just like, oh, I guess that's just how they are. <laughs> so like, you know, right. the values of parenting has cha changed a lot, you know. Um, <laughs> and it's a really hotly debated topic. Right. Um, can I say that? Yeah, I mean, uh, my daughter, I, I guess I had the choice of raising her in the States and also raising her here. But I have to admit that I didn't dare to hmm. um, raise her in, in the U.S. because you feel this stronger sense of hmm. empowerment of, of kids, right? They, um, they grow up knowing that hmm. I have rights and you can't do this to me. <laughs> now, for the, first, for the first few years, at least, I don't want that to happen because I, I think they need guidance. Right. And I don't want the guiding process to be so difficult. Um, I want them to remain innocent <laughs> until a certain until a certain age. And then, you know, they can start um, to really look for who they are and things like that. It, it's not really uh, contradictory. You know, there, there are things and values that we need to help them to realize, understand when they were little. Yeah. At least that's yeah. in my opinion. Uh, actually, mm -hmm. actually, uh, uh, to Bebe's point, it's not just in the West. I, I had a friend in Hong Kong at the time. His son was just nine years old. And uh, one day he did something mm -hmm. wrong. His dad threatened to discipline him. And he actually threatened to call the cops. <laughs> yeah, he actually told his dad, if you dare to put your hand on me, I'm going to call the cops. And yeah. So this is in Hong Kong, still a very Chinese society. Oh. Yeah, but uh, uh, in, in China that doesn't happen. Yeah, I didn't want that. Yeah, in China you you can actually you can actually call the police <laughs> and they will turn up and they will join in with your dad and you know help help put no not 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 to not to physically discipline him but give give them a good talking to right. <laughs> <laughs> no 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 I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I remember this uh, this joke. Um, it's about this uh, maybe like a European mother. I don't remember, but with his son or daughter in the airport, mm. and she was like literally crossing the border while uh, her her kid was throwing a fit, and <laughs> the mom was like, "Okay, we are crossing the border into China now. If you do that, I can actually spank you." <laughs> <laughs> without getting in trouble <laughs> um see but but i have to i have to say that nowadays like, we like most of us have like one kid right hmm. and they're so precious that we don't really result to default to beating our kids hmm. like we we rarely rarely if if at all um so we're thinking of smarter ways of parenting but we don't want like external forces 
um, kind of uh, disturbing this process, mm-hmm. right? Because I, I had the image, like I was debating whether or not, you know, I should raise my daughter here in the States. And I had this image of an eight-year-old girl, you know, before she gets on the school bus, turns around and, and points his, her finger at me and telling me that you have the no right to tell me what to do. <laughs> and then, you know, get on the bus and slams the door. I'm like, okay, no, no, no. <laughs> I can't let that happen. Wow. <laughs> so that, that fear kind of, um, you know, was one reason why I was like, I'm going to raise my daughter here in China. <laughs> no, I, 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 I don't beat her up or anything. I recently had parent-teacher conferences here in China. So I like a week or two where I sat down with all of my kids' parents and we talked about the behaviors. And I really noticed this just – there's no one Chinese way of parenting. A lot of parents – are kind of like I, I can't say the name of the child, but I have I had a child, mm-hmm. and they uh, for one year, and their mom was like, "We just let him do whatever he wants," <laughs> and I was like, "Well, what do you do if like you know he breaks something? Well, then I clean it up." And I was just like, "Wow!" wow. <laughs> and but I've had I have other parents who are like, "Yeah, he does. Look, he studies this from this hour to that hour, and then we let him play for this amount of time. <laughs> he can watch TV for this amount of time, fifteen minutes, and then he he has to do this other mm-hmm. kind of homework." And so like some, you know, you get both extremes where some families are raising their kids right. to let them be like free spirits or whatever. And right. you get some families that are like, we're going to turn this child into a doctor no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> see, yes, that's the you, thing. You that's do, something do see that. special about the Chinese society. It's uh, it's finding its way, right? It has its own yeah. traditions. And then it's been so exposed to Western Western values, which there are a lot of really good things we learn from. But some parents, because maybe they were, uh, they had really strict parenting when they were mm. little, they go to the other extreme. Mm. You know, they felt like they were mm. victims of a really strict father or something. Like, they don't know how to express their feelings or, you know, things like that. So they go to, like, the other extreme um, and say, this is how they raise kids in the West and see how well they turn out. So I'm going to raise my kid that way. Uh, well, but, you know, this brings me back to the most fundamental uh, Chinese value which is you go the middle way, right? I think if it's, this is something that underlines the Chinese culture. We don't like extremes. Mm. Um, we might bounce back a little bit, but I think eventually we, we like to go the middle road. So I think if there's one thing I should mention, yeah, about Chinese culture, I think that that should be it, right? We, we don't like extremes very much. Yeah, well, yeah. it doesn't mean that the Chinese don't do things that are extreme, but in the end... Right, you, you try you, things. You do tend to <laughs> tend to correct back into a more, you know, the median way. Right. Yeah. So far yes. in my life, that has seemed to be the way to go. I mean, I bounce back and forth a little bit, and then eventually, like, you know what? I'm just going to stick to the middle road. It seems there's so much... Uh, more balanced and safer <laughs> so well you know i have to say yeah. both of you are actually parents and i'm not so both of you have mm. morris has a son and you have a daughter i have no children of my own although i teach children mm-hmm. so i think you guys are probably more in a position of being experts in terms of like oh you know what does it take like because at the end of my day the kids go home right and i'm like yay i'm free <laughs> <laughs> but for you guys it never ends see parenting <laughs> parenting is one of those sciences where We've we've been parenting for like, I don't know, tens of thousands of years and no one has really gotten it perfectly right. It's a it's a process mm-hmm. of a constant discovery, right, of um, a constant uh, amendment 
um, I don't think there is like the perfect way to do it. We have to find each find our way, learn and find our own. Way. And of course, society changes. So you bring up、mm. the next generation to face their society, not not、mm-hmm. ours, right? So that、yeah. that's the point. But、mm-hmm. but、uh, Jason, I'm I'm a little bit surprised because、uh, I I don't mind telling you guys that、uh, my boy goes to it's not a proper international school, but it's、mm. it's. Like an international school, and、mm-hmm. and one of the reasons why I spend a fortune sending him to to one such school rather than a local school is because they have a they have a different philosophy in in、mm-hmm. in education. They they actually truly believe that it's a partnership between the school and the parents.、Mm-hmm. Yeah.、Mm-hmm. Whereas、uh, from what I've been told by a lot of my local friends, if you send them to to a local school, it's You know, when their school is my responsibility. Once they get home, is yours.、Uh, whereas uh, in in this uh, uh, kind of、uh, international or bilingual school system, you, I, I, I definitely get a feeling that the the relationship between the parents and the and the school is a partnership, and they actually、mm-hmm. proactively reach out to us. Yeah, to to seek our support, and then I've done the same. You know,、mm. reach out to them to seek their support to, on some behavior that、mm-hmm. you know we see as as an issue. So, do do you get that at,、mm-hmm. at your school, Jason? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, that's why we had the parent teacher conferences. Right. One of the questions I ask my parents, and I think this is really important, and I think a lot of my parents need to think about it and reflect on it, is what kind of toys do you have at home, and what kind of games do the children play when they can do whatever they want? And so this tells. Me when the, when the parents are telling me, it、mm. it actually gives me more insight about what kind of person the child is. Not like what does mom or dad want for them to do, but what is the child choosing to do when they、mm. have choices. And I think that is really telling. And it also tells、mm-hmm. me a lot about what the parents, what kind of toys the like. So I have a really I have a girl, and she's really you know like、mm. princessy you know, and so like all of her toys are like Barbies.、Mm. And then I have another girl, and she's、mm-hmm. like really tough and like really like you know stands up for herself. And all of her toys are like construction、right. toys, like Legos and stuff like that.、And、so you, you can <laughs> see the effect that the kind of the、yeah. toys and the kind of play that the parents are facilitating、mm. for the children is is impact deeply impacting their personalities. So you, maybe you can help me out here, Jason. Yeah, <laughs> if left to his own device, my my boy would gladly spend. His all his waking hours on an iPad. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh gosh! I would say you need to limit、yeah. that. My my own personal opinion is like you should say from you know X time to X time. That's up to you.、Mm. You can play with that, but only if you complete you know、yep. behave or do your chores to X Y Z before that happens. That's yeah. The- that's exactly what I do. Yeah, yeah.、Mm-hmm. And in fact, just as as a funny story, baby, you remember、uh, a few months ago there were new government guidelines coming out.、Uh, Mandating, you know, less than how many hours,、uh, number of hours on on games and online for kids. Yeah, yeah,、oh, yeah, yeah.、Right. Yeah, I actually use that to to kind of scare myself a little <laughs> bit. I said, you know, you've been spending all that time on your iPad. Yeah, it's not just me saying that. Now the government says that you can't do that, right? <laughs> I actually, I I missed that one. I didn't know there was such a such a thing. Oh yeah,、um, yeah, yeah. Big impact on I, the online gaming、uh, oh, communities. Yeah. yeah. Okay. 
Well, because I don't really have that trouble. And I think when it comes to parenting, that's a new battle that a lot of parents have to fight. Like our parents never had to deal with that. But I think the key, uh, limiting is uh, the hard way of doing it. Um, but the key is actually in finding what they truly want to do. Mm. You know, like besides, like find some other interest that mm, they mm, mm. can dive into. And yeah, that's, that's uh, they, great. they can find themselves in and then they will naturally spend less time um you know on, on ipad or other devices you know baby and i've talked this about this a lot when you you haven't been on the show morris but one of the things that uh, china is encouraging and i and we both stand behind is like more physical education mm, yeah. so children who are spending too much time like doing video games or maybe even studying math mm. they should really you know we should facilitate more like physical engagement like basketball practice right. if they don't like that great that's okay tennis practice okay <laughs> they don't like that great swimming cra- eventually they're going to find yeah. something that's going to stick well, and they're going to be like wow mm. i really like skiing yeah. and you know that's the thing i i assure you my 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 wife has arranged a very full weekends for my boy <laughs> and, and it's uh, mostly physical nice. right mm-hmm. so for example mm-hmm. yeah on saturday morning he, he has uh, brazilian jiu-jitsu wow. which wow. wow i mean he's only te- uh, he's coming up to 11 years old so it's, it's not really a martial arts uh, such it's more like just you know, physical exercise for mm. him. And then Saturday afternoon, he has mm. uh, football practice. Mm. Yeah. And then Sunday morning, he joins my wife in the Muay Thai uh, practice. Yeah. That one, he, he actually quite enjoy. But again, not as a martial art. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why I, I was telling Jason just before we started that he got kicked in the face oh. on Monday. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. No. So he doesn't know how to defend himself. <laughs> but yes. uh, yeah, oh. he, he does all these physical activities. No, he's been doing it for like <laughs> nine months already. <laughs> Yeah, okay. he, he's just not a, a, a naturally uh, aggressive, aggressive person. person. That's good. Yeah, that's a good thing. no, he's not. Yeah. What kind of martial arts involves blocking? It sounds like that's the one he needs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, Muay Thai is, is, is Thai boxing, right? That, uh-huh. that has a lot of blocking. But that's hmm. one thing I, I, I've been to his classes a couple mm-hmm. of times that he never raised his hands high enough to protect his face. That's Aww. one of his main problems. <laughs> well, maybe this will be like the catalyst for him to really raises arms well yeah yeah let's hope so but like i but said he's been doing it for nine months already it, it sounds like a um a, a hard working weekend but also an expensive one they they sound like pretty expensive classes no 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 <laughs> i mean not too bad definitely not too bad it, it's not really that expensive mm. well, yeah that- it helps that that my friend uh, my my wife tends to socialize with uh, the uh, the brazilian jiu-jitsu coach and mm. and the the muay thai coach's wife so they become friends and nice. but it, it's not that mm. expensive to start off with and also yeah. winter sports are getting more popular yeah in china like winter sports for a lot of the um like for people who don't live in cold areas mm. was like non-existent right back then but now, also because of the uh, Winter Olympics, 368 um, wow. million people participated in some kind of winter sport activity <laughs> in the last two years. Here we go, Jason. <laughs> yeah. And it's a, <laughs> it's a huge potential market. Um, like I know parents who uh, they take their kids to hockey practices and that's pretty pricey. Like all just the gear that you have to get and all the, the lessons and, you know, driving back and forth to these rinks. Um, but I, I think, you know, it's, um, it's, it's a new category of sports. About that... ice hockey. I, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know if you're old enough to be able to, to, to tell me this, but I was 
put by some local Beijing friend, my generation, right, in the late 50s and early 60s, that when they were young, uh, ice mm. hockey was a really big thing. It was a really popular sport in, in Beijing. It's not something that, that ice hockey came... Yeah. Really? Yeah. You, you have to remember the, uh, the older... Wait, wait, are you talking about skating yeah. or ice hockey? Ice hockey. Ice hockey. Ice hockey. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Wow! You I have didn't to, know that. Uh, and it makes sense because you have to remember. Remember, back in those days, China was very close to the Soviet Union, mm-hmm. oh, and to this right. day, the Russians are very big on ice hockey, right? So we we tend to think of it as an as a North American sport, mm-hmm. but the the Russians are actually really into this uh, uh, sport. And and if you remember how close China was to to the Soviet Union back in the fifties and and. Mm. And so on. Mm. Even maybe the cultural influence persisted until the the early sixties. So I was told mm. that uh, a a lot of uh, Beijingers in, in particular used to play ice hockey when they were young. I'm kind of surprised too. So wow, yeah. fancy. I guess it skipped. A, <laughs> yeah, it skipped a generation yeah. or two. <laughs> now it's resurging. Then <laughs> yeah, yeah, resurging as an expensive. Sport. According to my friends, it was definitely not expensive when they were young. Yeah, they couldn't afford really. Yeah, not back then. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Maybe they're just playing playing on the lake system. I mean, there are a bunch of lakes in Beijing. You just go out on the yeah. lake. Yeah, yeah, Beijing is cold enough for that. Yeah, so. yeah. So it's not a new thing, apparently. It, like you said, it just skipped a couple of generations. Didn't even get through half of all the points that I was hoping to make it through. So maybe this could be to be continued too. I think there are a lot of other aspects of uh, different cultures, you know, work culture and also spending culture. That's changing fast. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah. I, at least in Saving. Chinese society, savings. Yeah, like I f- yeah. I'm forgetting all about savings. Do people save anymore? (laughs) (laughs) I think, you know, people who are on the ball are still saving. Mm. But in America, I think it was something like 60% of Americans don't have enough money to cover a $1,000 emergency. See, that's unimaginable. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I know. That's not, that's, I don't think, yeah, I don't think that's a problem for China as much as it is a problem for the people in the United States. China is like people save too much, so they're not spending enough. (laughs) <laughs> that's a problem they're trying to trying to fix i'm not not so sure if that's the case anymore with, for younger. With younger yeah yeah because i i've read somewhere that you know because it's so easy to borrow money on like on taobao right, right? Mm. right. morris it was really great having you on the show we are unfortunately we are out of time we hope to have you back soon uh baby always a pleasure and we hope to talk to our fans soon. right yes. i really enjoyed great. myself yeah, yeah. We're, we have so much more to go through so looking yes. forward to talking with you next time morris oh thank you very All much right, see you thank, <laughs> thank you, you thank you bye-bye